Hello, uh, Davine or Davine. I'm not exactly sure um, how you pronounce your name, so I'm sorry for that. I did read your three chapters, and I'm ready to give you some comments. I want to be very positive and to encourage you. You have great skills as a writer. Um, you definitely at the prose level. You seem instinctively, or just know, the three main elements at the prose level of the scene. Those are dialogue sequences, action sequences, and expository sequences. Uh, there is another part of writing, which is called recital. Often we hear the term recital, like a piano recital or a violin recital, and that's exactly what it is.、Um, you know, your child or someone else's child—they have this event, and they're judged on how well, how faithfully they reproduce what someone else had written years and years, maybe hundreds of years ago. That's a recital. In the legal world, we have something similar.、Uh, we have things which are considered facts. That is, they're so undebatable and undisputable that in a legal document, there is a section actually labeled recitals, and it could just be something like,、uh, "This is the name of so and so."、Uh, They are an unmarried person. This is their father, their mother.、Uh, in these years, this person lived on this street. Then they owned a house over here on that street, and then they sold it to this person. And then this is when our case begins. Blah blah blah. They're they're considered to be so undisputed, undebatable that they're just recited. They're just spoken as fact. In a novel, we have a style of writing, unfortunately, that we inherited from the 19th century to about the mid 20th century. One of the reasons we inherited this in、uh, the English language was because some writers were paid literally by the word, and unfortunately, today you can find some ghostwriting contracts that are like that too. You know.、Um, You get paid so much per word. So what they did is they had a style of writing that was opposite, very key, opposite of the scene, and that is recital. Let me talk about something that most people probably have heard something about. Most people have seen or heard of the Game of Thrones. Perhaps you know the books. Um, I'm gonna go and talk a little bit about recital. Okay,、uh, in this book there was this king. This king then was ordered by a more powerful king to do things like、uh, kill these dogs or these wolves he found. Others got upset about it. Then later there were wars and rebellions, and 
then this king got killed and he was no longer the king there was a new king then the queen uh, had an affair with other people and then there was more war there was more rebellion and see how I go on and on and on that's a recital it's not really a scene most modern fiction depends on the scene uh, that is not to say that there aren't books and there are certainly many published today where it, it long passages of nothing but recital you know it's just like there's, there's not even a dialogue sequence or an action sequence the, the most you might get for the action sequence is you know like she thought about this or she felt this way or something it just it just goes on and on if and it's certainly your choice as a writer you wish to pursue the recital that style of writing that is great and I wish you the absolute best on it unfortunately that is not a journey I can follow you on if however you want to go towards the modern style uh, the style done by people like uh, Stephen King Michael Connelly um, so many, countless writers basically almost every writer or every other writer on the best selling list today that I can help you with uh, and I would love to be a critique partner with you on that one on that path if you want the path of the recital I'm very sorry I, I cannot go with you there and I cannot continue with your work right now in its current form I'm sorry about that let me say two quick things one of the hardest things that writers have to struggle with is what interests us about a story and keeps us writing and what the readers want one piece of advice that was very hard for me to accept from a best-selling author was that every time if you go back to your computer screen or your tablet your phone or a pad of paper and you reread a line that you wrote that makes you smile chuckle or giggle every time you read it and you say to yourself this is probably the best thing I've ever written or one of the best things and I just I just love this line or this passage and you just get a smile a twinkle in your eye every time you come back to it and read it what you wrote the advice according to that author that is the first thing you should delete and cut out of your story you have heard of another saying and I'm gonna be mild and, and say it nicely you have to put your darlings to rest now you know others have a more intense way of saying that 
but I'm not gonna to say it that way. I'm just gonna be say it the nice way. You have to put your darlings to rest. And what is that? The darlings are things that you write that you love. You love them like they're your children, your creation, your baby. Your readers, they might not like it quite as much as you do. And that's why you have to put them to rest. The last part I wanted to discuss was the reckless choice. In screenplays, I'm also a screenwriter, it's very regimented. Like, in the first three, eight, twelve pages, for sure, you have to have not only the inciting incident, but you also have to have a reckless choice. In a novel, you want the reckless choice like in the first uh, two three definitely within the first five or seven chapters the reckless choice is where the story goes in a new direction perhaps in a direction that you weren't sure it was going to go into I'll give you one example take Star Wars uh, the reason I say Star Wars is because usually it's so common everyone usually knows or has seen it. In Star Wars, the setup seems very forced. Uh, the droids escape from the spaceship. Uh, Luke's uncle purchases the droids, not Luke. So the actions are forced. And then Luke decides he's going to go try to find Obi-Wan Kenobi then later he comes back and discovers that his uh, the, the burning skeletons that are his parents you know his uncle and his aunt are dead so Luke had pretty much nothing he could do about that right it was the setup the reckless choice then comes in when Luke and he even gives a little speech he goes in and he says to Obi-Wan Kenobi he says I want to be a Jedi Knight and learn the ways of, of the force etc that's the reckless choice what is the safe choice the safe choice is he could say you know what I just saw the people I called my parents basically killed and I have these friends on the other side of the planet. I'm just going to, they'll take me in. I'm going to start my own farm. Or I'm going to take a spaceship, go to another planet, and start my life over again. You know, I don't want any of this war, death, no destruction. And that's it. I want to be free. If he picks that choice, the story collapses and it's over. But he doesn't, he does the reckless choice without really fully understanding what's involved with being a Jedi Knight, he decides to go with Obi-Wan Kenobi and to fight in the war against the Empire, even not really fully understanding the span and the scope of the war. And that he could be killed at any moment. So basically, he's going to go with this guy, Obi-Wan Kenobi, someone he barely knows, uh, 
and do whatever he tells them to do. That's the reckless choice. There are other movies uh, with reckless choices set up. And to use any movie that you like or watch that probably is within the sci-fi, thriller, or fantasy realm. And you you can find this in romance, too. Uh, the reckless choice is easy to find. It's usually towards the beginning of the television program or the movie. And it's where you ask yourself, what is the safe choice? Uh, a person has two options. They can go one way or the other. You can ask yourself, and this is why it's usually very easy to find, is what was the safe choice? Because usually the safe choice, if the movie's any good, is the opposite of what the person actually decided in the movie. Because if they had picked the safe choice in the movie, then the story would collapse and it would be over. You know, if they take the high road, the road where there's no danger, no violence, nothing... It's just safe, easy. Then the story collapses because there's no dramatic tension to drive the story forward. For your story, I just want to offer a suggestion, a recommendation. If I was to uh, be blessed with being your critique partner, I would... uh, recommend you start us off with the scene where Mimeki and Saijin are in I, I'll have to go back and research it it's like a bridge or something where the captain's chair is and Mimeki is putting her heels on his stomach and rubbing them and it's, it's either to be humorous or she's trying to hurt him or it's playful And then I want you to keep this in mind. All we have is the scene. So because we have a scene, we don't have recital, we can't know everything. We can't have perfect information. And it's the same thing in a movie. In a movie, we are limited by a visual medium. Uh, Because what is the opposite? Of a movie. Well, a movie would be like a soliloquy. I could write a screenplay where a guy just gets up, or a female, uh, excuse me, a woman gets up on the stage, reads a bunch of papers in front of them, and just reads the story. They don't act it out, they don't show anything, they just read it to you. Would you like to watch that for two hours or an hour? Most people, myself included, probably not. Because that's that's an abuse of the medium. That's that's not what it's for. So how do we do this in the novel? Well the novel we give the scene. And like the film or the show, we don't have perfect information. We have what's called subtext. And we may have some ambiguity, and that's okay. We actually want some of the ambiguity and we definitely definitely not only want but we need the subtext 
So this is what I want you to keep in mind. Uh, we start the scene with Mimeki and Seijing talking about this and being playful. We, the audience, don't know, but you know because you're writing it, that Mimeki has a secret plan, an objective. Let us say that the planet Captain Haikaring, and forgive me my pronunciations, I'm not exactly sure what the pronunciations are. Let's say Mimeki has seen a secret recording or transmission that the planet the captain wants to go to has been destroyed. And let's say that Mimeki, she's very fond of Seijin and the captain, maybe even thinking the captain as either a father figure or a potential lover. I, I don't know. But she doesn't want to hurt his pride. So she slips in some information to the captain or to Seijin that there is on this other planet, they should probably go there first. There's either a female militia commander or sorceress or priestess or someone that has some information or something they can give them that will be very valuable or helpful. Her secret motivation or plan is to get them to go to that planet and meet this person. But it's made clear in the scene, that is through subtext, that the other two really want to go somewhere else. This creates dramatic tension that drives the story because then we form natural story questions. We say, well, what's going to happen? You know, who's going to win or what's going on? This can then set up the reckless choice. Let's say, in this example, the reckless choice is made by Captain Haikering. He's telling Mimeki, no, we're going to go to this place. And let's say through light sabotage or something, Mimeki gets them to go to the other place. The captain then essentially is forced, maybe not knowing that Mimeki has set him up, to meet this person and to get this thing. Then, at that point, the reckless choice in this particular story, we could say, I'm not sure who will make it, but let's just say it's the captain. The captain must decide if he accepts the quest or mission from this person, or if he rejects it and goes somewhere else where he knows he'll find the, the retebi. Um, excuse my pronunciation again. Any case, at that point, we could consider what is the safe choice. The safe choice is the captain accepts whatever's fed to him and says, okay, I will just do this. Or he says, no, I will go do this, even though we know it might not be really an option. But then when he goes to try to do it, something else happens. And then he either has to make another reckless choice or the story turns out differently. One way as writers, we experience the reckless choice many times, as when we scrap a, a chapter. That is, uh, we write a chapter thinking our story is going to go one way, and then we, you know, a couple weeks later or something, we delete it, and we say, no, I'm gonna, I didn't like that, I'm going to write something else. 
In that sense, for writers, that's our reckless choice. But it also can help the story. One final thing I wanted to say. Uh, you have great skills as a writer. Unfortunately, as I said again, um, it's very important. One of the reasons maybe you love the story and you write it is because you, you like the year it's set in. Year one million something. Um, the setup of the galaxy. The relationships between this uh, race and this person, etc., etc. But the readers... They might be interested to hear a brief mention of that in a dialogue sequence, which which is called exposition through dialogue. And the reader might find it a little cute and interesting just to hear it or see it one time. But if you keep going back to it over and over again in recital, then again we begin to enter the classic struggle between the writer and the reader where it's really the writer saying I'm the writer I'm going to write what I want you know and blah 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 and if someone wants to read it someday fine whatever or perhaps the more enlightened view where we the writer say I want to write the best story I can write and I want it to be so interesting, so engrossing, so engaging that people, those who like this genre and this type of story, they will have to not only want to read it, but they, once they read it, they can't put it down. They, they have to read it to find out what's going on. Um, that is the classic struggle. Uh my description is accurate as it said on my Twitter profile I am a homeless person living in Los Angeles uh, but I also as I said screenwriter I had an option contract sold to Sony Entertainment uh, here in Los Angeles uh, specifically Culver City uh, for that year I got it I'm probably in a class of Probably in the low dozens, maybe even less than a dozen people that got that in a year. Or at least produced. Probably, well, very low for those who actually got produced, but actually got bought a contract from them. It's definitely under 100 people. So, anyway, what I'm trying to say is uh, thank you for letting me read your work and uh, sharing it with me. Um, as a beta reader I'm not trying to uh, beat you over the head and say you must do this or that it, it's not up to me what I can do is tell you what I see through my eyes and offer you some suggestions on what I think could improve your work if you want it to be something uh, that others will like to read um Again, my opinion is just one out of money. And I, I would like to work with you, of course, but uh, you might want to go in a different path, and that's fine. 
Um, unfortunately, I cannot read anything else that you've written so far. Uh, not in its current form. Uh, that's a journey I cannot follow you on right now. And I wish you the best. Uh, I also encourage you not to give up because I do think you are a real writer. Um, there are a lot of people out there, I'm not going to get into uh, this uh, issue, but you understand there are people who say, oh, I saw this movie or I read this book and I can do that. And they write a book which normally should be 40 to 50,000 words at the most and it's like 103k words or 200k words and I see that my eyes just roll and I go you know that's not any good you can't possibly read that one quick example Stephen King's short story Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption it's very short it's, it was a big movie and a very good movie and I had read the story I believe before the movie came out uh, many years ago I mean I know it's an older movie it's in the 90s now and that short story slash novella I don't know exact word count it's not, it wasn't very long I, I don't remember you, it has a lot of characters and there are multiple storylines in there. Like the part where it talks about the sisters. Then the part where uh, he, he tries to get set up by helping the guards and get that going. And then the part dealing with his innocence. And later his uh, escape. Very few words to describe and tell that story. And, and to give us the scenes in it too very few words and again that's why I say I, I like I wish we could get around away from this thing about word counts when everyone advertises it oh I have a story it's 90k or 100k or something okay I understand you wrote quite a bit of material but is, is it really a story and Last part, when I first started out writing, I, I know, because I've been here before, and I'm working very hard on my novel, there were times where I would write a couple pages saying, this is what this character liked to do, uh, this is the person I had problems with, this is the things they didn't like. And in fact, when I started out my novel, the one I'm writing now, I had a very large recital in the beginning of saying how... He was afraid of this and that, and this bothered him and that bothered him. Thousands of words. I had to delete almost all of it. I, the most I could keep was like two or three lines out of thousands of words. Because, I, again, I had realized, you know, I, I can't just info bomb and dump everything no, I have to tell a story, and story requires ambiguity, it requires subtext, and it requires a scene. And yes, it is very limiting, but that's, that's what a writer does. A writer writes something that is very difficult and unique that no one else can write because it's their story. 
and again anyone can say they're a writer and write thousands upon thousands of words but uh, it takes a very special person special writer to say I can only use this much of what I wrote I can only show or tell this much of it that's it because I have to let the story unfold and progress and not burden the reader with so much information that I as a writer may like but it's not really needed for the story I uh, thank you again uh, again I've given you this recording just because I, I could have typed a lot of this out but it would have been very brief and I don't think it would be that fair to you I would not of course do this for everyone I do this for you because I do see that you have great skill and who knows maybe if I said one or two things that were helpful maybe it, it will help you you know make something really really good really great something that I want to read someday regardless uh as it's just my opinion, there are many others, and uh, I wish you the best. Thank you.